Thank you, Susan. You know, as has been uh, mentioned, am I, am I good here sound-wise? I'm coming through? Okay. As has been mentioned, um, the, this is the last Sunday in our sermon series called Overcomer. And uh, this, this subtitle, I think, nails it right on the head, Living with Strength and Peace During Turbulent Times. Surely there have been few times that have been more turbulent than what we've experienced in the last eight, nine months, right? And, uh, and I think we've, uh, so, so often it feels like this has been so relevant to write what we're going through in our own lives. And I hope that you have sensed that uh, you have drawn, that you are able to draw strength and peace from God as we go through these, these difficult things. And so we've talked about overcoming falsehood, busyness, evil, apathy, fear, unbelief, confusion, divisions, and anxiety. And, uh, and some of those topics, I'm sure, will come up in your minds over the next months and years again, and we'll continue to have these on the church website. So go back and listen again if, if needed. But ultimately, what is behind us being overcomers of all of these things is the fact that Jesus is the overcomer that Jesus has overcome everything that would come against us. And so when we speak of being an overcomer, it's not really uh, an overcomer in our own strength or uh, mustering up our own peace, but it is relying on God, finding strength and peace in Him. And uh, so sometimes I will hear someone say, when I ask them, how are you doing? They'll say, oh, I'm doing well under the circumstances. Well, as overcomers, we don't need to be under the circumstances. We are, we are above the circumstances. Why? Because our lives are hidden with God in Christ, right? And so we are not undercomers, but we are overcomers because of Jesus in our lives. Now, Susan touched on something that really leads us into our uh, service today. And this last topic that we're going to focus on today is overcoming death. And, uh, and we are currently at a stage in our country where, where the death toll for coronavirus is brought to our attention all the time. Right now, 245,000 have died from this disease. But death is all around us all the time. And so this morning, I want us to wrestle with those questions of what does death mean for you? What does death mean for myself? How do we approach this overcoming death? Now, before we get into this uh, serious subject, let me share with you a joke that I heard Jerry Seinfeld say, and uh, this one cracks me up. He ta he's talking about people's greatest fears, and he says, according to most uh, studies, people's greatest fear is, anyone want to take a guess? That's number two, people's uh, pub public speaking. People's greatest fear is public speaking and the fear of death is the second one. And so Jerry Seinfeld says, so for example, the average person, when they go to a funeral, would rather be the person laying in the casket than the one giving the eulogy. And, uh, <laughs> and I always get a kick out of that. Uh, but, uh, but we laugh about that, but it does point us to the fact that most people are afraid of death, right? There is something uh, terrifying about that because 
uh, it, there is the realm of the unknown. What's going to happen after we die? Uh, it, uh, where will we... S- there's a finality to it. Where will we spend eternity? Death is such an unnatural, terrible thing. And all of us have experienced the death of a loved one that brought so much hurt and a heartache into our own lives. And we've said things like, man, I wish I could just have one more day with my loved one. I wish I could have an evening just to watch a TV show with them again or to walk around the block. I wish I could share one more laugh. Death is unnatural and it is terrible. When the world was created in the Garden of Eden, the way that God uh, created it, death was not uh, in place. Adam and Eve were to live in fellowship with one another and with God forever. It was only because they sinned that they disobeyed the commandment of God that death entered into the world. And so, and, and death continues to have its way over and over again in all of our lives. Why? Because the, uh, we persist in sin. Romans, 3, 20, uh, Romans 6, 23 says, For the wages of sin is death. It is because of disobedience, it is because of sin in this world and in our lives that all of us will one day face death. Our lives on this earth will come uh, to an end and we will breathe our last breath now let's just think about that for a moment and and i and we're going to come to this idea of overcoming death but really we have to start at the root if we're going to understand this and that is we have to understand sin sin technically means missing the mark like if i was to set up a bullseye back there and uh try not to point at anyone here but uh let's just say it's a bullseye and a bow and arrow and, in, and uh, in this target, right in the center is the bullseye. And if I'm just one inch to the right or an inch to the left, I've missed the bullseye, right? I've, I've missed the mark. That's the idea of sin that God has in his perfection set up the way that this world is to be lived. It is based on who he is, his character. All the commandments of the Bible are based on who God is. So when God tells us to love one another, it is because God is love. When he tells us not to lie, it is because God is a God of truth. All these commandments that when we miss the mark and we don't obey the commandments, we have gone against who God is himself. And that is important for us to understand that all of us before a holy and perfect God uh, have fallen short. And so now we begin to think one day we will, when this life is over, we will stand before that holy and perfect God. And how will we at that point overcome death? Is there anything that we would say if we were to stand before an almighty, righteous, holy God? What would we say? What if God were to say to us, why should I let you into my heaven? What would our answer be? This morning we are uh, wrestling with some of these questions. What do you think happens after you die? Where do you think you will go for all eternity? A few months ago when we started this sermon series, we 
called Overcomer. We, we were in 1 John 5, and that's where we're going to go back this morning. In fact, uh, I'm going to read these verses from 1 John 5, and uh, I think that we're kind of putting a bookend on it. We started with 1 John 5, and we're ending with it, and the verses are in your program if you are here. If they're watching online, they'll be on the screen before you. But, the, but I'm going to read verses uh, 1 through 5 of 1 John 5, and then verses 11 through 13. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves his Son as well. This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commandments. In fact, this is love for God, to keep his commands. And his commands are not burdensome, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. There's, this, is where we, this is why we landed on this text to begin with. Here's the idea of overcoming. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that uh, has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. And now jumping down to verse 11, and this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Who does not, whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. Let me just um, read that verse one more time. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. And then finally, John puts a summary on all of this. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. So that you may know is, is, uh, is an indication that John wants to give us something that we can hold on to with certainty. So that you may know is, is meant to communicate that we ought not to have ambiguity on this or to have uncertainty. The Greek tense here that, uh, that John uses is, is the idea that he writes these things so that we may know with 100% certainty that we have eternal life. Now that is a bold statement. That, that touches at the heart of well, why there is this fear of death. What if we were to have 100% certainty that we would not uh, be subject to the punishments of hell one day, but that we would enjoy heaven in the glory of God for all eternity? Now I'm making an assumption there I recognize. Not everyone believes in the reality of heaven and hell. And these are things that we have to uh, wrestle with in our own lives. But the Bible speaks of the uh, life when this life is over as not having a finality to it, but uh, existing, for, for going on forward for the rest of time. And the way that uh, Jesus teaches about it is that there is either life with God or life separated from God. Different uh, people have different opinions on this, but, uh, but, there are, but there is a certainty that if there is a creator that has created this world and he is eternal, surely he in his uh, perfection, if he creates us in his image, part of what that would mean 
would that be that we would exist for all eternity. So you wrestle with this in your own life. You wrestle with what makes sense for you. But I believe that the Bible gives a worldview here that we can get our minds around that actually makes sense. If God is who he says he is, and if the world exists as we experience it, it would make sense that what we are experiencing now would last and have an impact forever. Wouldn't it be sad if what we are uh, experiencing right now, if the turbulent times that we are going through today simply just end and it's, uh, it's, it's like a vapor in the wind? But here is a reality that gives significance and meaning and purpose to our lives. And John is saying that he wants us to live with certainty that these things will go on, that there is an eternal life Obviously, the opposite of death is life. And, and to say it is eternal life is, it a, is, is that it is a life that will persist, that it will go on forever. Now, John says that those that can have this certainty are those that are believing in the name of the Son of God. When John speaks of believing in Jesus, or earlier in the passage when he speaks of being born of God, he's speaking of making a decision to follow God. And I hope that all of you are able to identify a time in your life where you have made a decision to place your faith and your trust in Jesus. And maybe some of you here that have not made that decision. Maybe you're watching online this morning and you haven't come to that decision. And that's great. I'm glad that you are wrestling with this. But th what John is speaking of here is a person coming to that moment, that time in their life where they would say, I recognize that there is something bigger than just myself. That there is a reality outside of, of my uh, X number of years on this earth. And I, have to get, and I have recognized that there is a creator, and I choose to give my life to God. That is the decision that uh, he is talking about here. It is believing in the name of the Son of God. And so I like how John describes it as loving God and carrying out his commandments. It's entering into a relationship with God. My hope is that all of you have come to the point where you have made that decision. I remember when I made that decision. I was just, uh, I was just a young person. I, was, I, I estimate, to be honest, I wish I knew the exact time and day, but I estimate I was probably about seven years old, and I grew up in a Christian home, and so I had Christian influences around me all the time. My parents were Christians, and we went to a good church. And uh, when I was young, I was introduced to the reality of, or, uh, of heaven and hell. And I remember hearing this uh, idea at church, and that night I could not sleep. Uh, I was afraid that if I was to die that night, I would not go to heaven. And I suppose I must have been crying or whimpering uh, because my parents eventually came in, and they explained to me how I could, uh, in seven-year-old terms, ask Jesus into my heart. And that was a process for me. That was the starting moment, but I grew in my faith. Now, some of you will have a moment where it's like a radical turn. It's a U-turn where, where you have been living completely opposed to God. Your life is in the deep end, and you are sinking. And all of a sudden, you have a radical transformation. It's the type of story that could be made into a movie. 
And uh, others of us, it's, it'll be gradual. But the important thing is, have you made that decision? Have you had that time in your life where you say, Jesus, I believe in you, I trust in you, and I give my life to you? John will go on to say in verse 11, and this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Now, I, as I have tried to emphasize, this idea of eternal life is not just where we spend eternity in heaven. Really, at its core, it's a relationship with God. Now, that relationship with God includes eternity in heaven, but I want to define eternal life as having a relationship with God because then it helps us to understand it starts now. This is how we can be overcomers in the, in the here and the now, how we can overcome things like our fears and our anxieties and the sins that we wrestle with because we begin to have a relationship with God now. Jesus said, this is eternal life. What is eternal life? That they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. And so this idea of overcoming death is grounded in the idea of having a relationship with God. That we would spend all eternity with him. Paul speaks of the same idea in 1 Thessalonians 4, and in verse 13 he says, Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you may not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. So that you may not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. One of the most difficult uh, deaths that I've had to uh, deal with in my life is the death of my grandmother who lived to a, a, a long life and and was blessed in many ways, but my grandmother was such a special person that uh, it really was hard for all that knew her. Uh, at her funeral, I was asked to um, write some memories that I had of Grandma and read them aloud, and then I read the memories from my brother and my cousins. And this is what my uh, brother wrote that I read at my grandmother's funeral. Grandma's favorite hymn was living for Jesus a life that is true, trying to please him in all that I do. That is and was, uh, that is and was Grandma, and that is how I al will always remember her. A few years back, my brother says, I was struggling with things, and I received a letter from Grandma that really meant a lot to me. The letter began like this. In today's devotion in the dining room after breakfast, I heard, I am truly worthy because Christ lives in me. That is a wonderful thought. Christ saved my soul and made me whole. I am complete in Christ. Grandma told me to pray for others, and her letter listed off some people that she had been praying for and suggested that I pray for them as well. The last person listed was Grandma Kraft herself. It said that I would be closer to my grandchildren, that I would pray for them every day, that I should call them more often. I'm concerned that I might interfere, but I want to be helpful. Grandma, you were close to us and impacted us in many ways. You never shied away from the truth or were afraid to share with me what is right. 
You meant the world to me by the way you lived your life, especially in your later years. Now, th this is, this is m my experience, and I'm sure that you have your own experience. But I read through this letter earlier this week, and again, I was moved to tears because I, I miss my grandma so much. And it is natural for all of us to grieve at a time of death. But I'm struck by what Paul says here, that we do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. You see, those of us that have come to know Jesus as our Savior, we grieve the loss of loved ones, we, and, and, I'm, and there will be a sense of disappointment by others when we leave this earth. But there is hope if we have come to know Jesus as our Savior. You see, I want to encourage you to put your faith in Jesus, not as some sort of uh, fire insurance that will just keep you out of hell someday, but I want to impress upon you that this relationship with God is the very best thing that could happen in our lives. It is because God loves us so much. The most famous verse in all the Bible, and it's famous for a reason, because it gives us the good news in a nutshell. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. This, this describes the love of God that he has for us. And he says he gives this life to us. It's a gift that we receive. I recently uh, read an article in the uh, L.A. Times, and uh, it was one of these stories that kind of tugs at your emotional heartstrings. But it, but it told about a woman who went um, hiking through a park in the foothills of, of uh, Alhambra, and, um, or I mean of, of Altadena. And as she was um, hiking through the foothills, she, she heard this faint sound. It wasn't very loud, but it sounded kind of painful to the point where it caught her attention. And uh, she began to kind of look around as she was jogging, and then she noticed two little feet in the, in the dirt. And at first she thought it was an animal, but she looked closely and it was the, uh, it was the feet of, a, of, a, of an infant, of a small child who had been buried on the path. And so as you can imagine, she quickly got down and dug the child up and tried to get the dirt out of the, out of the boy's uh, mouth and nose and uh, quickly uh, rushed the child to the hospital. By the time the uh, ambulance got to the hospital, the child's uh, temperature was 80 degrees. And... Uh, the doctor described it as a miracle, but the child uh, lived, and uh, the nurses began to call the child baby Christian. And, uh, and eventually, and as I said, he lived, and eventually he was adopted. And when he began, when he got to be about uh, 17 years old, he began to ask questions. And his adoptive uh, parents revealed to him that, uh, uh, that he was adopted, and they began to share with him the story about how he was found. Well, he, this, this, these thoughts continued to spark curiosity in him until he, at, at the age of 20, he was finally able to get in touch with the woman that had discovered him on the path. And so they set up a meeting to meet, and uh, as they talked, uh, he, he was later named Matthew. Matthew asked his rescuer, to show him the exact spot on the path that he was discovered. And so they went to the foothills 
And uh, she was, this memory seared in her mind, she was able to identify the exact spot. And they sat there in silence for a while until uh, Matthew whispered, that could have been my grave. To which his rescuer said, you were wanted. Now I read those three words in the LA Times and they, they struck a chord in me because I, I was wondering, why those words? Could have said anything, but, and I don't know whether, whether this woman that discovered her, uh, him has any sort of faith, but, but she said, you were wanted. You know, all of us, in a sense, we are, in, we're not dead, but because of, uh, we're, we're alive physically, but because of sin, spiritually we're dead. We're like, we're in our grave. And we need a rescuer as well. We need a savior. And I think if God were to look upon us, those would be the words that uh, he would say. You are wanted. You are wanted. I want to spend all eternity with you. I love you so much that I would send my son to die on the cross so that uh, your sins can be forgiven. Remember, we, we miss the mark over and over again, but Jesus died a death on the cross not because of his own sin. Like, he hit the bullseye every time. He lived a perfect life. But he died a uh, death on the cross so that our sin could be placed on him and his righteousness could be placed on us. One day we will stand before God and he wants to welcome us into his kingdom. But we will get, need to give an account for our lives. One day we will stand before that holy, righteous, almighty God and he will say, why should I let you into my heaven? Now, I think there are many who will say, God, I've tried to live a good life. I've done the best that I can, and I hope my good will outweigh my bad. You see, the problem with that answer is that you are standing be before a holy, perfect God. And he doesn't weigh our life, uh, our good versus our bad, or our life versus our neighbor's life. He, uh, he judges our life based on his holiness. And we have all fallen short of his glory. Others will say, will stand before God and, we will, and they will say, God, I didn't know any better. I didn't really know you existed. And I never took the time out to really know, uh, know you or to think about you. Give me one more chance. I promise I'll do better. And the problem is, the problem with that answer is that it's too late. We are all appointed to die once and then to face judgment. And so we stand before God to give an account of our lives as we've lived it. And others will say, God, it was too hard. Life was unfair. I wanted to live right, but there were so many temptations. The world that you created for me, it was just, it was too much, too much to bear. I couldn't live for you. I was too busy. I was too focused on other things. And the problem with that answer is, that no matter how great or how difficult this world is, we are called to, some, to live above the circumstances. We are called to live with God. And then there will be some who, this is how I imagine it, 
who don't stand before their almighty, uh, before the almighty God, but they bend their knee. And when God asks them, why should I let you into my heaven? We stand before God in all of his glory, in all of his power, in all of his righteousness and holiness. And, our, and, and we don't want to turn away, but we want to actually look full into his face because we have come to know that this is a God of love. And our answer to God in that moment is not to trust in our own righteousness or to blame someone else, but actually to cry out for the mercy of God and to plead for the uh, love of God that was shown to us through the cross of Jesus. And I think that is our only hope, to recognize that our lives are now in God's hand because we have made the decision to give our lives to God. You see, if that is our answer, I believe we are overcomers because we recognize that God is a God of love, but he is also a God of justice. But if our sins have have been uh, justified, have been paid because of the cross, then God's only response to us is love. And I hope that you have made that decision to give your life to Jesus. Let's take a moment, and uh, this seems like a wonderful opportunity for us to bow our heads and uh, close our eyes and just reflect upon the salvation that God has for us. Some of you already have that uh, confidence, 100% sure that if you were to stand before God today that you would be welcomed into his kingdom for all eternity. And if, if that's the case, I just invite you to rejoice in that and to offer God a prayer of gratitude right now. But there may be someone here and there may be someone watching online who hasn't yet made that decision. And maybe today's not the day. Maybe it's a process. But if you feel like today is the day, if you feel like I'm ready, I I want to know with, with certainty that my life is found in God. I invite you just to pray a real simple prayer like this. God, I thank you that you love me, and I thank you that you have forgiven my sins by Jesus' death on the cross. And I ask that you would come into my life and be both my Savior and my Lord, that I could live with you today and for all eternity. Now, if you've prayed that prayer this morning, I would love it if you just let us know somehow. Drop us a line this week or come and talk to me, and uh, we'd love to just celebrate with you. But we are thankful for the salvation that God has given us through Jesus Christ. God, I thank you that you do love us so much. I thank you that you look upon us this morning and you see us not because of our own sinfulness, but because of the righteousness placed upon us through Jesus. And I pray that we would continue to live for you, continue to trust in you and to hope in you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.